Good to see this good number. Everybody's uh, loaded to the left. Or to y'all's right. And uh, good to see everyone. Tonight, you did wear your work clothes like I asked you to. And uh, don't worry, I'll set you loose. And just a second, we do want to, uh, we'll uh, cover up all the different things we'll be uh, taken care of. We'll even add some chairs in here. I guarantee you we'll need them uh, Sunday. So we'll be adding some of that a little bit later. Let's head to First Peter chapter 2. We'll finish up on a changed life. Just follow along. Uh, Daniel will begin in First uh, Peter First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. This ends the chapter. Last time we looked at our example. This time we're going to be looking at the example of Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, these last uh, four verses of this chapter are loaded. They are amazing in these just four simple verses are so profound. Let's take off the example of Jesus following his steps. Matter of fact, verse 21 says this, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. A great Christian classic. Uh, by Sidney Sheldon. As a matter of fact, the title of it is called In His Steps. I remember, um, just seems like yesterday, I was nine years old. My parents had recently divorced. They divorced in April. And we moved back to Huntington. My granddad, we... Uh, on the old house place there where my granny and granddad lived and and for the years that my mom was single, if that was 1976, then uh, she got married in January of 80. And uh, so it was about, you know, those four years there. And we were always at Granny and Granddad's house. And he had an old, just the old-timey tiller, motorized, five-horse, may have been three-and-a-half, I can't remember, the big old belt on it, remember, you pull the lever and it engaged that belt on that old-timey tiller. wasn't a rear tine tiller, you know, it was uh, the older kind, you know. And, he would, and that dirt would chop up so fine. I couldn't ever figure out why there was always this uh, bits and pieces of glass in there. Well, I was following behind, you know, and that, that dirt, when it comes out of that tiller, was... Uh, and he always wore his work books, and we got our work clothes on tonight. We're going to have a, have some jobs to do in a little while. But, you know, it's like fl- fluffed up that dirt. And there was, of course, Granddad was uh, walking behind that tiller. And his steps, of course, my, I wore probably a six or seven, eight, maybe, shoe. And I'm trying to keep up with Granddad. I'm walking behind him. You know, the, his feet would go down in that dirt. And I'd step, and I'd step. That next step was on out there. For my little old legs, I would reach out there and try to follow just perfectly. Of course, he would look behind him after he got to the end of the row, and there I was, straddled out trying to follow him. But then I would fall over in the dirt and all of that good stuff. But it, and it's a fond memory of me following behind that freshly tilled dirt of my granddad, Fletcher Hall. And that stuck in my mind. 
Folks, we ought, and I know that's a, just a physical example, but shouldn't we follow? It says here we should follow in his steps the example of Jesus Christ. He left us some clear, clear footprints for us to follow. Verse 21 says, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example, which tells us that sometimes we are called to suffer and that suffering generally is doing without. Sometimes it's generally just people looking at us a little bit differently. But by the way, we won't suffer and we won't do without if we don't live holy lives. If we don't live any different than the world lives, we're not going to have. Why would we be persecuted if we fit in? We won't be. If we fit in with the world, there's no persecution. We're just one of the people. We're just what everyday people moving on to verse 22 who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus had an opportunity to be a lot of times we joke and pick at one another and are sarcastic toward another. Did you realize this, that his speech was always to build people up? To be constructive. His speech was always right on the money. You say, well, what about his speech whenever he called those uh, Pharisees all those names in Matthew 23? Really and truly, sometimes that his speech was also an example to us because he was building up others who were watching. He said, don't behave like these guys. Don't behave like these guys. These guys, they're, they're holding you to a chain. And so that was the reason he was trying to get the nation of Israel to turn around. What about our speech? Does our speech lift others up? Who did no sin. You know, and we've all said, I've heard that all my life. We say, there's only one perfect person who's ever lived. And who was it? Well, it was Jesus. And it's what it says right here. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So he was definitely an example there. And it continues with this example in verse 23. In verse 23 it says, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now, that's a very interesting, couple of interesting words there. One of the words there is the word commit himself. He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Basically, what he did, the word committed means trust. Did you know he placed himself in the hand of his father? He said, Lord, you want me to give in to these guys. You want these guys, my life. And so he gave his life to those tormentors. He gave his life to the people who arrested him. Matter of fact, remember what he said? Did you know I could call 12 legions of angels and uh, all it takes is one angel and he could, that one angel could take you all out, but I could, you know, gather up 12,000 if I needed to. I don't think you got a chance. But guess what? Jesus committed himself. And that's what this verse, it, he says, I give up. I let go. I give up my rights to my heavenly father who, of course, was God. 
Now, this example is his his reaction to the way people were treating him. I want you to back up and let's look at a couple examples in another place. Let's head to Matthew 27 and verse 12. And just look at his example over here. Matthew 27 and verse 12. The word of God says this. And when he was accused of the chief priest and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? Oh, by the way, they were, they were telling all sorts of lies on Jesus. And he answered him never a word in so much that the governor marveled greatly. Now, that's pretty cool. Think about this. And it's right there in God's word, which is amazing to me. Jesus didn't have to say anything to make people amazed. They were amazed at his not saying anything. Isn't that something? They were amazed at his not responding. They were amazed at his meekness. A lot of times people equate meekness with weakness, but meekness is not weakness. The Bible says this, there was never a man besides Jesus, of course, as meek as Moses. Moses was a man of great strength. Meekness is strength under control. Meekness is, I could call 12,000 legions of angels, but I'm going to hold back. Meekness is holding back. Meekness is saying, you know, I'm going to restrain myself. And that's what Jesus was. He was meek. He helped. So even his not saying a word made the governor marvel. That's pretty cool. That, that you can make somebody marvel at not saying anything. Okay? Now, head, now th- let's say, well, that's Jesus. There's no way I could be like that. There's no way I could respond that way. Well, let's look at some or. Let's look at some regular humans. Now you say, well, Jesus was regular human. Yeah, I know that, but he's the son of God too. So let's head to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And this is a neat example of how to respond in a very desperate situation. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Now this again. Three people who were arrested for breaking the law, had they committed a sin? No. No, what I mean by in breaking, they hadn't broke God's law. They had broke man's law. But they're going to be faithful to their God. Folks, one of these days, I don't know when, but our church and you, I believe in this United States, can, you're going to have a choice to make to keep man's law or God's law. Right now, so far, I don't know of any. You may know of some besides uh, what if, you know, somebody uh, asked you to participate in, you know, maybe a homosexual marriage or, you know, maybe it's a gambling or something like that or just something of whatever nature. But to choose man's God law over God's law. This is what happened here. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, you're supposed to bow down to the gold, to the image. They had a choice to make. We're not going to bow down. We heard the music blow. 
We're not going to give in. They said, arresting him. You're going to die. Notice what they said. Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. How would we say it? We're not really that worried. Means we're not, being not careful means that we're not real concerned here because we've got two choices and here's what's going to happen. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But, verse 18, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That's the two things. God may save us. He may not save us. But, folks, guess what? This is an example that they responded in a Christ-like way to a very adverse situation. Back up a little bit further to the book of Isaiah, um, chapter 53, a description of Jesus. Isaiah 53, let's begin reading. With verse 3. Isaiah 53 verse 3. He is, this is again describing Jesus and his non-response. Jesus and his being uh, meek. Not weak, but meek. It says in Isaiah 53 3. He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. If you skip down to verse 7, he was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. In other words, dumb meaning not speaking. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Go back to our text in 1 Peter chapter 2. And the very famous verse, and he quoted Isaiah 53 here in verse 24. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. Notice what he says here about Isaiah. By whose stripes you were healed. And then lastly, very last point, is the very, verse 25. For you were as sheep. This is before you were saved. Before you and I got saved, how were you and I? For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. 
I ask you tonight. And we looked at, matter of fact, the, the previous verses before these 21 through 25 were talking about that you and I are to be an example and not a stumbling block before others. <clears throat> you and I are to, to live a holy life, a separate life, to be example to the world. And, that, and, and then it says, picking up in these verses, follow the steps of Jesus. Matter of fact, doesn't it say it literally? It says, in his steps. In his steps. Follow in his steps. You know, whenever I was nine years old and trying to follow my granddad in that garden, and it was a stretch for me to reach that next size 12 boot. And, folks, sometimes it's a stretch for us to follow. It's hard. It's not always easy to follow the steps of Jesus. Let him be the shepherd in your heart. I've often used this as an analogy. I was uh, this afternoon. Uh, Allie has been just pestering and pestering and pestering me. Dad, let me drive. Let me drive. I said, okay, come on. So I put her in. The, she does a really good job. She jumped in. She said, okay, Dad, buckle your seatbelt. I said, believe me, honey, I am. And uh, so she said, one of her friends says, buckle up, buttercup. I don't know who says that, but not a bad idea. Buckle up, buttercup. So we buckled up, backed out of the driveway. She said, there's a bicycle back there. I said, I'm glad you saw it. I said, don't hit it. <laughs> so she backed up out of the driveway, goes down Promised Land Road, top speed 32. Okay. <laughs> a lot slower than some of our drivers on Promised Land Road. So everybody's uh, coming. If you met her coming to choir practice, don't worry. She was in total control. But the interesting thing, there was a funny sign that happened. There was a hearse that was following us. <laughs> Not exactly what you look for when you're giving your daughter driving lessons. We were going to Sonic to get summer shakes, so we're going to get a shake. So I said, no, when we get to the end of the road, pull over in the parking lot because this is, this is all you get right here, three miles. And uh, so not going to let her drive on the big road, as I call it. So anyway, I, we get out and exchange. And But some of us are that away with Jesus. Can I drive? Can I drive? And a lot of times we take over our lives. And when you're in control, that's it. That's it. She, and we're getting out on the, the big highway, as I call it. Okay. She, I said, I'm driving. But see, the whole time in all of our lives, we need to be saying, Jesus, I want you to be driving. Because when we do it, a lot of times we mess up. Put Him in charge of your life. Let Him take control. Because we say, oh, I want, I want to. And we may make a mistake, mess up. And then we say, I tell you, I think you do a much better job and you can take over. 
It's usually when our lives go off course is when who's driving? When we are. And it's not the Lord. The Lord doesn't ever make a mistake. As we get ready for a hymn invitation. Father, as we bow our heads and just ask you tonight to realize that you are the shepherd of our souls. You are the person that should always be in charge of our life. And Father, I, I pray that that's always true of each and every person here. That you would be in control and that you would have be in the driver's seat. Because with you in charge, it's going to go right. It's, and we know that you'll help us through any storm that we may face. Father, we just ask that you would continue to bless us and our church. Thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.